Hey there, I'm Scott Bertram, and I'm the director of the Hillsdale College Podcast Network. This show and all the other shows on the network are listener-supported. That means we hope for, we count on, frankly, we rely on the support of listeners like you to make our educational outreach possible. One of the best and most convenient ways to do so is joining the Liberty and Learning Society. That's our exclusive monthly giving group. And in this month of March, we are looking for 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society. When you join, you'll help defend liberty through education, and you'll make shows like this one possible far into the future. All you have to do is visit hillsdale.edu slash monthly and complete the secure online donation form. If you need to pause or stop your gift at some point, no problem. Just call us. One of our friendly students or staff will help you. But today, will you be one of the 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society in March? Go to hillsdale.edu slash monthly to join the Liberty and Learning Society today. Help us bring these shows to you and other Americans at hillsdale.edu slash monthly. Hello and welcome to this edition of Beyond the Bubble. I'm Ben Dietrich and this podcast is brought to you by Hillsdale College Career Services. Hi, I'm here with Elliot Geyser. You're listening to Beyond the Bubble. My name is Ben Dietrich. Elliot is a associate at Boyden Gray and Associates. Elliot, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Absolutely. So the first thing we want to know for our audience, tell us what year you graduated at Hillsdale, what you majored in, and um, what exactly the type of law is that you practice now. I graduated from Hillsdale College in 2012. I studied political economy and rhetoric and public address, and I was in the Dow Journalism Program, so a double major with the journalism program. I am now an associate at a law firm in Washington, D.C. that specializes in administrative law, constitutional law, and public policy. Very cool. And so tonight, um, we are going to talk about how you ended up going to law school. My understanding is that, you know, you didn't originally think you were going to be a lawyer. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. First, I want to ask you, I hear you're on the hub. How's that going? Um, and I understand you're a mentor as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that process and how you've been using the hub so far? Absolutely. So the hub is a new product of Hillsdale College for connecting students and alumni uh, to one another. I think it's an incredibly innovative solution to the problem of distance. The Hillsdale College has a wonderful reputation, and so it sends out graduates all over the entire country. And so you have people living in every major city in the country doing great things with their Hillsdale College education. The hub is an opportunity to sort of network with the pre-filtering mechanism of a Hillsdale education. So the people that you know on the hub, uh, you have that shared thing in common, the ideals, the education, the experience of Hillsdale. Uh, it also has a mentorship feature, which allows students uh, who are currently at the college to be connected with alumni who share interests with them. And so two students uh, have been assigned to me as their mentor, and so we've had some conversations both in writing via email as well as on the phone. And that's been a really productive use of time, hopefully for them. Uh, I've enjoyed being able to give back to them and impart forward mm -hmm. to them what I had learned. 
That's very cool. So for all our listeners out there, just want to remind you, if you are a current student at Hillsdale or you've already graduated from Hillsdale or you're just a friend of the college, all of you can register and sign up for the hub. Um, you can contact Career Services for more information if you go to the Career Services webpage on the Hillsdale College webpage. Uh, it's a subpage of that. You can find out more information about how to do all of that. So tell me more about the whole concept of mentoring because, you know, I think it's something we've heard before, but I understand that there is the type of mentor where, you know, you might just meet somebody randomly and ask them to be your mentor. And then there's also the type of mentor where maybe you don't have the formal term, oh, he's my mentor or she's my mentor, but it just ends up being somebody that gives you guidance along your career path. What have your experiences been so far and how do you find a mentor? I have been abundantly blessed to have many wonderful mentors uh, that have guided me and given me their wisdom and experience. It's interesting now, of course, this wouldn't be a Hillsdale College podcast if I didn't bring this up. Mentor, the term originally came from Homer's The Odyssey, one of Odysseus's friends who remains in Ithaca is named Mentor, and it's someone who has a lot of experience and gives Odysseus some insights into how to respond to the various situations that he encounters. And I think that idea of someone who's more experienced than you in a particular area uh, is what really defines mentorship. The other thing I would add about mentors is that it's a two-way street. Lots of people want a mentor. Everyone wants a mentor, uh, someone who will tailor life experience to their specific needs and interests. And in a confusing and complicated world where you have so many options, one of the blessings of liberty is having so many options for your career and for your life. Everyone wants someone who is a mentor. Uh, but that is the kind of relationship that actually develops organically out of the pursuit of shared ideals. Mm -hmm. uh, in my experience, I found mentors in professors who have taken an interest in me uh, because I had the audacity to ask them additional questions and to illustrate to them that I would be a good investment for them. I said I would, you know, I'm interested in what you have to write about, what you're thinking about, your area of expertise and research. And sometimes they've also developed mentorship relationships have also developed for me out of employment. I've had the incredible opportunity to clerk uh, for two incredible federal judges, uh, Judge Edith Jones on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals down in Houston, and Judge Naomi Rao here in Washington, D.C. on the D.C. Circuit. And being employed by them created a natural opportunity for me to ask them their advice. How should I practice law? What kind of law should I practice? What city should I start my practice in? And then they were really happy to tell me as their law clerk, their employee, here's what I did here is what might be wise for you to do. Mm -hmm. seems like everybody is always happy to talk about themselves, which is a good way to start those conversations. I feel like maybe, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but you know, people love to be asked questions. It's hard. It's better almost to start that than to simply talk about yourself. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you need to, you know, sort of tease the relationship out by showing interest. Um, yeah. You have to say, you know, what you're doing interests me in some particular way, and then ask a question. You know, a question is one of the most powerful uh, weapons in the arsenal of any human being. We're, we're creatures that are designed for sociability and for rational discourse, and usually that starts, a dialogue starts with a good question. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, how did you end up in the position you're in? Or tell me about why you decided to pursue this career path. Why did you go to this college as opposed to a different college or this law school as opposed to a different law school? What kind of law do you practice and why? Right. These are sort of questions that have opened doors for me. Uh, and then, you know, once you start with an open-ended question, you can drill down. I don't think you have to be extremely formalistic about it, but I do think you have to be very genuine. Yeah. You have to illustrate that you've thought through the questions you're asking enough that you're not, you know, just sort of reading off of a piece of paper that you've actually put some thought into it. And right. your, your interests come out of sincere passion. I think sincerity is a good word to use there. You also defined it as an organic, <coughs> excuse me, an organic relationship prior to this, which I thought was a good way of putting it. I think what we're talking about here can, and correct me if you disagree, but it can also stretch to just the way in which you interact and network with pe people. You know, I feel like when, as a student, when you first move to D.C. or you first go to that big city where you're thrust into professional relationships, it's hard at first to find that balance because you've been told about how networking can be a transactional sort of relationship, and I'm sure that's the same thing you think about when you think about mentorship, you know, the transaction that can take place between you and that person. But really it needs to be, in order for it to be successful and for it to be comfortable for both of you, it should be more natural and organic than that. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the naturalness of any friendship or partnership is that it aims at some good, right? So you have to have some common aim. Um, narcissism is the most destructive thing in any potential relationship, especially a mentorship relationship. If you go up to somebody and say, look how great I am, wouldn't you love to mentor me so that you can take credit for me? If that's implicit in what you're saying, that's no good. But if you're sharing a particular aim, say you are in the realm of journalism, or you want to be an entrepreneur, and you find someone who is walking along that path because they've beheld an ideal or a beautiful good thing, and you say, I see what you see, and I see that it is good. Uh, tell me how you're pursuing it. Right. That is where the organic relationship that is a mentorship really starts. It's out of that genuineness. Mm -hmm. um, I love which, that. I mean, to be honest, you can't have a mentor unless you yourself have cultivated some interests. Yeah. I, I've said in the employment context before uh, that Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I'm not totally sure if that's true, but I am sure that the unexamined life is not worth hiring. <laughs> so you have to actually look at yourself and say, what is it that I want to do? Uh, who am I? What is my purpose? What is my vocation? And sometimes asking those questions can be the foundation of an excellent mentorship relationship. Yeah. All great. Are there any tips or tricks that you would recommend um, besides what we've talked about on that front? Uh, definitely have your contact information ready. Um, getting a business card is a good idea. Don't push it on people. Um, but you know, and, and then be persistent without being annoying or weird. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, fine, an fine important, line. but clear, bright line, um, between, Hey, I really, I'm interested in what you're doing. Is there a time that we can meet up and talk about it? And you know, pestering somebody by contacting them at their email and their phone number and leaving the voicemails and then, you know, they're not responding and you're just digging yourself in a deep hole. Don't do that. Right, right. All good advice here. All right, let's move along to some other subjects. 
Um, so you decided to go to law school. Uh, you took a year off between Hillsdale when you went to law school, uh, but you didn't know you were going to go to law school um, when you left Hillsdale. Was that a disadvantage? Um, tell us a little bit about that. I don't think it was a disadvantage to not know precisely what I was going to do when I graduated. I spent the eight semesters, the four years that I was at Hillsdale, eating up as many opportunities to learn and grow and stretch my leadership potential, uh, and the college makes so many of those opportunities available. I was pretty sure that I didn't want to be a lawyer when I left Hillsdale because I knew that I loved public policy and politics, and I really loved public speaking. And I worked at the local radio station and was on the debate team. And lots of people told me being a lawyer is nothing like the kinds of things that you are interested in doing. If you're a junior attorney, you're very rarely going to be in court or up on your feet giving a speech. You're most likely going to be burying your head something, you know, deep into the books and procedures and forms and things like that. But after I left the college and started working in the real world, I had a much better sense of the kinds of activities that were fun for me and that were natural to me, and I got a much better sense of my vocation, that sense of calling. And I cared a lot about justice, and I cared a lot about how to influence the world for the common good and public service. And being a lawyer means that you're an officer of a court, and it means that there's an immediate relationship between what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and the common good, So, you, if you choose to pursue that route. And so... I think taking a year off actually helped clarify things for me in a meaningful way. I I worked in some management consulting, and I went and had the opportunity to work at the Heritage Foundation, and I realized that uh, studying the law would be a way for me to best dispose of the talents and gifts that God had given me. And boy, when I finally got to law school, it was so much fun. I, I, I had really missed school, and being away from it for a year... Uh, instead of going right from college into law school and being sort of burned out in an extended form of senioritis, yeah. I actually really appreciated the value of sitting in a library and studying an old text and teasing out the truth from it. Right. That's great. So how about the uh, the LSAT, though? Was that harder, do you think, because you didn't get to prepare for it while you were still in college? You had a full-time job, obviously, after after that. Yeah, I think if there were one small correction or course correction, if I could do it all over again, I would have taken an LSAT prep course. I, at the time, decided to pursue a route of self-study, and I think I would have uh, maximized my potential more and then uh, increased the likelihood of getting excellent scholarships uh, at law school if I had actually taken uh, sort of a formal prep course. And so I recommend that to everyone who's interested in law school. You know, take the LSAT. First, see where you land on a practice test. If you look like you have a good shot, then then take the prep course. You won't regret it. Um, a few extra points on the LSAT can translate to uh, thousands and thousands of dollars less in debt. And I also understand, Elliot, that you transferred once you got to law school. You don't hear people doing that a lot with law school, maybe with undergraduate school. But law school, that's less heard of. So why did you do it? How did you do it? Yeah, one of the pieces of conventional wisdom, which is generally correct, is that you should go to the best law school you get into, if it's a top law school, or you should go to the best law school in the jurisdiction where you are likely to want to practice. 
So in Ohio, where I'm from, go Buckeyes, uh, the Ohio State University is the best law school. And so I thought that that would be a smart strategy for me. I got in and had in-state tuition and some decent scholarships. And I really took to the study of law to the point where uh, I got better grades in law school than I had gotten even at Hillsdale. Uh, Hillsdale had prepared me very well. And several professors at my law school asked me, what is it that you are interested in doing? Would you want to be a legal academic? Do you want to have a more national-focused legal career? Are you interested in public policy and politics? And I said, yes, to all of the above. What would maximize my potential, I asked. And they said, well, one thing that would maximize your potential is you would need to graduate from a higher-ranked law school if you want to be a law professor, because most law professors don't have doctorates. Their terminal degree is their Juris Doctor degree. And so most law professors come from one of about five or six of the top law right. schools in the country. I love that question, by the and way. And I got... What, you know... Oh, yeah. The maximum potential question. I, I think that's a good one. If you're listening, you should write that down. <laughs> How do I achieve my maximum potential? Great question to ask a mentor or any of your advisors, but sorry, continue. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to be able to apply to, with strong letters of recommendation from my law professors, several of the top schools and got in uh, around the country. And the University of Chicago really stood out to me as being an extremely rigorous and well-respected institution. Many of my intellectual heroes that I had learned about while I was studying at Hillsdale, Milton Friedman and Richard Weaver and uh, Thomas Sowell, had all come through in one way or another. Frederick Hayek, uh, Ludwig von Mises had all had associations with the University of Chicago. So that was a very nerdy way to go. I had intellectual heroes that had gone there. I decided to go to University of Chicago. And that was a tough decision because I was leaving behind really great friends. I was moving further away from family uh, to leave Ohio State. And, you know, as a, a lifelong Buckeye fan, that felt a little bit sad uh, to leave behind football games. But the University of Chicago turned out to open so many doors for me, uh, going from, uh, you know, the best school in Ohio to one of the four best law schools in the country uh, really changed the vector on my career. It's all very cool. Um, and so when you got to the University of Chicago, you know, it's, it's, you said your grades were really good at, uh, at the Ohio State University. When you got to the University of Chicago, how did that compare in terms of the, was it a lot harder, do you think, to, to perform there compared to a state school? The difficulty level in law school is very relative to your peers. I did well at the University of Chicago as well, and I was fortunate to have great professors and fellow students that welcomed me with open arms there. And Of course, Ohio State had prepared me really well uh, to succeed in the rest of law school. Uh, but there is a difference uh, in the rankings of the schools in the kinds of questions you're asked to answer. I think a school like Ohio State does an incredible job of teaching people to be legal practitioners. They will teach you legal theory, but they'll also teach you black-letter law. Mm -hmm. Many higher-ranked law schools spend comparatively more time on legal theory. And the University of Chicago, distinctive among many, is that it takes an interdisciplinary approach to the law. One, economics is one of their most famous interdisciplinary questions, but they also ask about law and business 
law and philosophy, law and history. And so uh, there were some aspects of being at the University of Chicago that were more challenging. Mm -hmm. Another thing I will say for those of you who are interested in law school, your first year of law school is in many respects like boot camp. It's kind of a in-the-trenches experience with your fellow students. And so one challenge that is involved in transferring is you leave behind sort of what feel like war buddies uh, that you've experienced trauma bonding with. Um, but I was also really blessed that many of my closest friends from Ohio State uh, are still my closest friends today. I just added to that a number of really wonderful people who welcomed me with open arms at the University of Chicago. Very cool. Professors and students alike. Sounds like a great experience. Last question I have for you takes place past law school. We only have a couple minutes left here, but I understand now you look at it, work at a smaller law firm. How does that compare, would you say, to one of the larger firms? I mean, everybody that goes into law has to make that decision. What should they consider, in your opinion? I think there are a lot of factors to consider. I loved working at Gibson, Dun & Crusher, which is one of the top 10 by revenue law firms in the world. Uh, and they uh, gave me incredible opportunities. Their clients and the kinds of cases that they're handling are really great fundamental experience. And because they're an established brand, much like the law school that you attend, uh, that can open a lot of doors for you as well. I decided to join a smaller law firm after I had experience in a big law firm because I wanted to take on more responsibility. And uh, the founding partner of our current law firm seemed to me to be someone who would be someone I could learn from a great deal, mm -hmm. Boyden Gray himself. And so I think if you're thinking about, if you're in law school now, uh, you want to think about what your goals are. Do you want to have sort of the pedigree of a brand that lots of people know about? Um, big law firms can offer that, and they offer a sense of security. But everyone at some point has to make the decision for themselves mm -hmm. what their career trajectory should right. involve. Hey, well, thank you so much, Elliot. I'm sorry we have to go now, but it was great talking with you today. Hey, thank you for having me on, Ben. Thank you. Uh, if people are interested in contacting you, are you comfortable with them reaching out to you over the hub? Yes, I'm on the hub. You can reach me there. And uh, if, if you're interested in talking about anything that I talked about today, please let me know. All right. Thank you so much, Elliot. You have a great day. So thanks for listening to this edition of Beyond the Bubble. This podcast has been brought to you by Hillsdale College Career Services. We'll hope you check out our other episodes on Facebook or on the Hillsdale College website. Until then, good night.